Hello, and welcome to the In the Word podcast. This is the podcast that will help you to understand God's Word, build a stronger relationship with God, and develop habits that will help you love God and others better. And now, here's your host, Trevor Pope. Hey, what's going on, family? Welcome back to the podcast. Just want to say I thank you guys for joining in this week. Listen, this podcast, I want to share a little bit of my testimony with you guys on some of my struggles as a young Christian. Uh, Many of you that follow the channel, you know that lately we've been just talking a lot about salvation. Um, It started out with uh, my brother, Pastor Christian Rose, being on the podcast uh, a couple weeks back. And we were talking about a dream that he had dealing with uh, celebrities, you know, claiming Jesus Christ as Lord. And he went into his dream and we really chopped it up on, you know, the dream that he had and also some of the other things to look you know, look to, you know, after these individuals, you know, claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior and not look to, you know, meaning, you know, watch them to see, you know, you know, whether if they're really saved or not and things of that nature. As a matter of fact, that was the thing that we were talking about that we shouldn't be doing, right? We shouldn't be focusing on them, you know, following their every move to see where they make mistakes and mess up and say, oh, they're not really saved, right? But because they have, you know, the platforms that they have, we just talked about that if you're following these individuals or they say, look, you know, God is leading me to do X, Y and Z. And this is not only with them. This is with a preacher, anybody that says that, you know, God says uh, to do this or God showed me this vision or follow me here, you know, so on and so forth. You know, we got to make sure that what we see in their life is the fruit of the Lord, right? It is fruit, like the Bible talks about, fruit that can only come from God. And there's so many different ways in scriptures that we can use, you know, to test that, right? Uh, So we were talking about that. And after we did that podcast, it was really on my heart to just share during the Eat Up Mondays. I shared during a short clip, I talked about, you know, salvation is a gift from God, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10. I talked about celebrities and salvation through Christ on a small clip. And just recently on the Eat Up Mondays, I talked about God can do the impossible. And we were talking about the young rich ruler. And the reason why I was sharing those things is because even when we were doing the podcast, I was trying to explain to you guys like, listen, just because these are celebrities, we don't want to get caught up on their status, their celebrity status, right? We don't want to get caught up on who they are. And that's the only thing we focus on. We want to remember that these are human beings as well. And just because we know their lifestyle, we've seen some of their mistakes. We don't want to use that, you know, against them. We, we, we don't want to take that and say, oh, it's impossible for them to get saved. Just like what we saw with the young rich ruler, right? One of the main things that he struggled with was he had many possessions. And the Bible said, because of that, he walked away sad. And when we look at some of these celebrities and, you know, athletes and things of that nature, you know, that is going to be one of the struggles that they're going to have is really letting everything go. If God says, listen, you need to let all of this go, this status, this money, you know, relationships. And think about it. That's what we had to do, right? 
Like when we came to Christ, we might not have been rich or a celebrity, but there were certain things that we had to let go that hurt, that may hurt just as much as it hurt them to let the things that they have to let go, right? Whether that was a relationship, whether that was somewhere you hung, you know, places you went, things of that nature. So I was sharing that and it wasn't only about the celebrities. I was saying that it could be anybody that that's in our life or that may come to the church and give their life to the Lord, claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we may know this person's lifestyle, right? We may know what they were just doing just yesterday. It could be somebody in our family. It could be some guy that we seen in the streets on the block or whatever, wherever, right? That we have to be very careful in, you know, pre- judging, meaning condemning them to say, listen, there's no hope for this individual because I know their past and I know what they've done and I know what they've been through. I know what they've done to other people and things of that nature. So I wanted to share a little small testimony of some things that I went through, right? When I first got into the church, you know, I got saved in prison. Um, Just to give you a little bit of backstory, Um, And I don't want to dig too deep into it because it's so many things like my testimony, you know, it's so many things that I went through, so many things I could talk about. But just briefly, in 1999, I had been in the streets for for some years by that time. I had already did time in jail as a youth, you know, for getting caught with a lot of drugs. So I was out there hustling and doing, you know, you know, everything that I was big enough to do. and. What happened was in 1999, I ended up, well, actually it wasn't, it wasn't my first time in 1996. And that's why I said, I don't want to dig too deep into every story or everything that I've been through. But basically in 1996, I smoked some dust, which in some places they call PCP wet, wherever it is that you're from, you know, they have different names for it, but most people know what PCP is. Smoked it at a party. I've done a song about this before in the past, got my jaw broke. And that was my first introduction to PCP, right? Was out of my mind, got into a fight with some brothers on a street that at the time in my city was called Bloody Fifth because that's how bad it was on this part of time, in, in this part of town and on this street. And at the time in the city that I grew up in, Bridgeport, Connecticut, it was one of the worst cities in the United States. Um, had one of the worst projects in the United States, Father Panic Village, one of the worst projects to the point of where they had to tear it down because it was so bad and so many things happened in this particular projects. And they actually tore down a few other projects in the city. But anyway, 1996, that happens. A whole bunch of things happen because of that. Now, here I am in 1999, hadn't smoked dust for, for all those years. And here it is introduced to me again. I'm still out on the streets hustling. But this time when I smoke, I don't know if it was a bad batch. I don't know if it hit something wrong in my brain. I don't know. But basically, I lost my mind almost for two years straight. You know, sometime I would come back and be okay some days. And some days I would just be straight out of it. And in the process of going through this, I'm doing so many crazy things. Not only am I upsetting and getting into situations with guys on the streets, but I'm constantly getting arrested and and getting out, bonded out, whatever have you. And it gets to the point of where in 2000, I get arrested. I go in, I do some time. It gives my my mind a chance to kind of simmer down, but I, I get out this time in maybe like four months. 
So 2000, I get out and this is when my daughter's born. I'm locked up when my daughter is born, my daughter Trevasia. I'm, I'm locked up. She's born. Didn't get a chance to see her born, but I'm back out in the streets, right? 2001, here I am again, been arrested a couple of times, but this time now, you know, pretty much I'm going to have to sit for a while because I, I have a super long record, been in trouble a lot of times. So 2001, here I am locked up in jail. Long story short, because so many things happened in the midst of me just coming into the jail in 2001 with my mind going haywire, I get saved. That particular bid. And when I get time, I'll go back to tell you everything that happened in 2001 because I went to the mental ward before I got out and gave my life to Christ. So many things happened in that mental ward where God showed up. It's just, just beautiful. Awesome, right? But 2002, I get out. So from 2001 to 2002, I did 13 and a half months. And when I get out of jail, you know, I'm, I'm on fire for the Lord. I've, I've been saved now pretty much uh, a little over a year. I'm on fire for the Lord. I, I remember walking home from the county jail and seeing this homeless guy just sleeping in the corner. And I ran over to him and grabbed his hands in Jesus name and just started praying for him. Just super fired up and excited because I had the Lord in my life, you know, and being in there that 13 and a half months, you know, I was able to read the scriptures and learn some things. God had placed some good brothers around me, some that had been there for a very long time, some that, you know, may not have even gotten out, but had been there for a very long time. And then we had services with some awesome guys that would come in and spend their time in the jail, you know, with the inmates, teaching them the word of God, holding services. So God placed me in three different jails where I was able to be fed and, and to grow, right? So here I am, I'm out, you know, I didn't even want to ride home. I'm walking home, you know, grab this guy hands and pray. And so now I'm in the place of, okay, I'm saved. I need to find a church home. So that first week I was out, I visited one church, you know, I let them know my situation. It was like, well, listen, we're family here. We love to cook. We love to do this. And, you know, I knew of the church. I, I, you know, had a little I was familiar a little bit with the pastor there. He had been there a very long time. The church had been there a very long time. So I was like, cool. But I had a friend who had who I had had stayed in contact with while I was in jail, my brother Carl, my boy Carl. Um, and we stayed in contact because he was kind of like the last one of the last people I hung with. And on that last time I was in the street. So we stayed in contact. And it's funny, I had just met him maybe months before I went to jail that last time in 2001. And while I was in and in contact with him, you know, he started going to a church that was close to his house, which is Faith Revival Center, which is where I am now. So that second week I went in 2002 to Faith Revival Center and I've been there now uh, 20 years. Right. But guess what? In the midst of me getting there to Faith Revival Center, I'm hanging out a little bit. Lo and behold. I go back to the thing that caused me to lose my mind. So here I am. I'm going to church faithfully. We had a men's fellowship on Monday that did a tremendous thing in my life. Like just having these men there uh, to encourage me to speak into my life, to let me know that they've been through some of the same things I have been through, whether that was jail or streets or drugs or whatever. 
it, it helped so much. Even my pastor had been there, done that. He had did all those things. Church has been there now for 40 something years. He's been pastoring for 40 something years. But at this time, you know, I think they were there about 20 something years at the building that they were at, which now we're, we're in our 40, I think third year. So, you know, I got this strong foundation, but yet I'm still struggling, you know, because when I'm away from these brothers, I'm out hanging, you know, uh, hanging, you know, with the wrong crowd. Um, and, and some, and I won't even say the wrong crowd because some of these brothers I was close to and I was tight with even my brother, Carl, you know, sometimes we would hang out because we ended up living together, you know, later on down the road, but this was my brother. So we would hang out. So here I am smoking PCP, you know, back messing with the same thing that caused me to lose my mind for almost two years, pretty much two years, smoking a little weed, all of these different things. Me, as a saved man, gave my life to the Lord, learned so many different things while I was locked up. God showed me so much favor, but here I am struggling with the same thing I was struggling with before I got saved. By the grace of God, I thank God that I never went back to selling drugs, never went back to carrying guns. So for that, I give God all the glory. But I struggled with the PCP, the weed, and going to the bar a little bit. And things of that nature. So one day, and I, and I believe I shared a little bit of this on the podcast with Christian and excuse me, cause I sometimes just telling some of these stories and thinking back on some of these things, it can get a little emotional. So I, I want to kind of slow down because I, I just feel my heart racing, but basically it's a Saturday. I'm hanging out with my boy Van, man. This is my brother. I knew him since we was, since he was like eight and, and, you know, I was like 11 hanging out with him. Now at the time I'm like 25 years old. This is 2003. I'm not even in the church a year. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not even in the church a year yet. This is in like June of 2003. I had been there since August of 2002. So I'm hanging out with my boy. I'm 25. He's 22. And you have to understand he wasn't saved at the time, you know, so he's still doing his regular stuff, having a little drink here and there. So I call myself hanging with him. You know, this is my man, 50 grand. I love him. Been knowing him for years. And, you know, a couple of times he said, man, let me stop at the liquor store to grab me something to drink. So I'm like, hey, man, do your thing. I'm, I'm you know, I'm saved. And it's not going to bother me. It's not going to do nothing to me. You know, do what you're doing. I can hang. You know, I understand your struggles. Been there, done that. So he had stopped to the liquor store maybe once or twice. And maybe like that third time, it was like, oh, man, I could get a little something. It's not going to hurt. And before you know it, that might have been two, three in the afternoon. By three o'clock that morning, I was being arrested. I had bugged out so hard from drinking from sometime in the afternoon. And I meant we might have went back to the liquor store a couple more times. I think we ended up at somebody's house that was kind of having a little small party. I think I bugged out there. And I'm drinking stuff that I had never even drunk before I had got saved, right? So I bug out, get crazy, and find myself arrested Saturday going into Sunday morning, probably like around three in the morning. So it's basically three in the morning on Sunday morning. And just so happened, this particular Sunday morning was Father's Day morning. And I had bought my first suit to wear for Father's Day. You know what I mean? So this was going to be the the uh, uh, my first Father's Day that I'm celebrating in the church and also my first opportunity 
to wear a suit that I bought for myself to church. And here I am locked up 3 a.m. in the morning. And what makes it so crazy is <laughs> just a week ago, you know, everything seemed to be fine. You know what I mean? I had some struggles, you know, never in a million years would I think me being saved, being faithful with going to every single service that I would be locked up. So I called some, um, I, be I believe I called Carl. Cause like I said, we both were in the same church. I think I called Carl or my mom or somebody and I'm sitting in the County jail in, in, in the city that I grew up in. I'm sitting in the County jail don't even know what time it is because there's no clocks on the wall. We're just in the cell. And I never forget they came to me and said, listen, you may bond. Now, little did I know, I didn't know what time it was. Now it's like around two in the afternoon on Sunday. So they, they tell me I may bond. I walk out of the jail and I see my boy Carl and I see another one of my boys, James, that had been at the church actually before, you know, Carl and I had been there. I, I believe he was you know, going to the church since he was young. So they, they came and got me and they let me, let me know that, listen, pastor gave us the money to bond you out. And I don't think the bond was, was too high, right? It wasn't really that high, but you know, pastor, he gave them the money to get me out. And, you know, obviously I'm grateful. I'm thankful because, you know, the last thing I want to do is sit in there for the rest of the weekend and then have to go, you know, from there to court. So I was thankful for that. And the county jail just so happened is downtown in Bridgeport, where I grew up at. So we're downtown at the county jail and we decide to go down, you know, further into downtown. Uh, I believe, I don't know if we went to a restaurant or a store. And as we're standing on the corner, you cannot make this stuff up. My pastor is driving by. Now, service is over. I don't know what he was doing downtown or where he, where he was coming from. Obviously, it was nothing but God. You know, he's driving by and what does he do? He pulls over and I never forget. He walked across the street. I'm crying and I'm boohooing all of that. And he's not paying attention to any of that. And the only thing he says to me when he walks up on me, he says, listen, either you're going to live this life or you're going to live to save life. And he turned around and walked back to his car got in his car and pulled off. He didn't say anything else. He was like, either, either it's going to be this or either it's going to be that. And I'm sitting there crying, emotional. He, you know, he not even paying attention to that. So this is on Sunday. They gave me a court date for the next day. I go to court, walk in the courtroom. Guess who it is? A prosecutor that I've been dealing with since I was young. Here I am, 25 years old. First time I had got in trouble was 15 years old when I had got in a lot of trouble when I had got caught with all the drugs. I was, uh, man, what was I, 18, I believe. So this lady, I've dealt with her a few times in my life. And she says to the judge, she says, listen, there's no way this guy should have had a bond this low. Now, now, mind you, I came to court on my own free came to court on my own, out on bond. She says, there's no way that this guy should have had a bond that low. So what do they do? They raise my bond back up. They raise it up and lock me up. So here I was out on bond. 
I was working at the time. I had a job and everything. So here I was out on bond. Obviously, I couldn't go to work on that Monday because I had to go to court. I had to call out. But here I am out on bond. They raised my bond up and locked me back. So now I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting in the courthouse with all types of things running through my mind. You know, I'm kicking myself in the butt. I'm like, I can't believe that God saved me from the lifestyle that I was living just for me to be back here in the courthouse locked up because that wasn't my first time being in court, you know, waiting to go back to the county jail. I actually was in the courthouse on 9-11. When 9-11 happened, I was going to court for something I had got in trouble back then on, right? And the crazy thing about it was when 9-11 happened, we didn't even know what happened until they brought us back to jail. But I don't, I don't even want to jump into that. But just to show you that this wasn't my first time going to this courthouse and being in there. I had been in there multiple times, you know, even as a prisoner, right? So here I am in the courthouse waiting to go back to the county jail, North Avenue. I get back there. I'm so disgusted with myself. I don't want to talk to anybody. They put me in one of the dorms and gave me my little pillow, my sheets or whatever have you. And I'm sitting on my bunk in the jail and I'm just miserable. I'm like, I can't believe that I played myself this way. I can't believe that I made the decisions that I made to be where I am. And one guy, he came over, you know, shared a few words or whatever have you. But I'm telling you, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't, I didn't have a word for anybody. I'm hearing guys in there talking nonsense. Some guys like, yeah, they offering me seven. I could do that on my head. And and I'm like, man, I've been down this road before I've heard these conversations before. And I can't believe this is where I am right now. After God has done so much for me, delivered me, delivered my mind, kept me alive. There's multiple times where guns jammed in my face and just all types of things happen. Like I said, there's so many stories I could tell about my time on the street, right? So now it's Monday night. Don't really want to talk to nobody. The one guy came and, and gave, you know, told me his name and said whatever he had to say. I had a few words for him and that was it. Tuesday morning, I hear them yell breakfast. I don't move. I'm like, man, listen, I'm miserable. I'm on my bunk. I'm sad. I'm I'm heavy. And then, you know, I fall back asleep and I hear them yell lunch. And I, I believe I did get up to go get lunch, if I'm not mistaken, or, or maybe I didn't because I, cause I was really miserable. No, you know what? I, I might not even went and got lunch because I, I remember a little while later they called wreck. And I said, man, I'm not going outside, man. I don't want to talk to none of these guys. I don't want to hear none of that street talk, none of that stuff, because I'm, I'm far removed from that now. I'm pretty much two years removed from the streets. You know, these last two years, one of them I was in jail and then the other one I was in church. So I was no longer in the streets, no longer connected to it, no longer wanted to really hear anything about it. So I'm like, man, I'm not going out to wreck and have to conversate with dudes and whatever have you. So I don't go out to wreck. All of a sudden, you know, I got to use the bathroom and I'm going to be real transparent here because if somebody young is listening to this or somebody that's out there and you still trying to live that life, you know, and you've never been to jail, I want you to understand that, listen, it's degrading, right? So I'm here, I am sitting on, on my bunk, my stomach's rumbling. 
I have to use the bathroom. And by me saying my stomach rumbling, my stomach's rumbling. You guys already know what I'm talking about. I walk into the bathroom that's in the dorm and they have about four or five toilets. But guess what? There is no stalls. All of these toilets are side by side in this particular bathroom with no doors. No, they're not inside of stalls like we see in the store, the grocery store, wherever. They're side by side. And there's already one dude just sitting there using the bathroom like it's nothing. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I cannot believe that I'm back here. So I didn't have any toilet tissue. So I said, man, let me go to the CO, to the bubble and ask for some toilet tissue. So I go, I ask the CO for the toilet tissue and I go back in the bathroom and I'm like, man, I can't believe this. I'm starting to put the paper down on the toilet. I'm going to have to sit there in front of everybody and use the bathroom. And as I'm putting the toilet tissue on the toilet, I hear the CO yell, Pope, you may bond. Now to help you to understand that was shocking to me. Because the night before, when I got there on Monday night, you know, after I made it there from court, I called my mother and I said, listen, you know, could you call a pastor and let him know that, man, they locked me back up. If he could, you know, help me out, I'll just pay him back the money. Cause like I said, I was working, but my mom was like, nah, that's a no go. You know, pastor, he said, you know, he helped out where he could, you know, they got other things going on in the church, which was true. And other people that needed help. And like I said, they had raised my bond up. So now it was a, was a little bit more money. So I, I got it. I understood. I wasn't upset about it because he didn't have to, you know, bond me out the first time. Right. So I said, all right, mom, cool. You know, hung up. So when I heard that bond, you know, Pope, you made bond on Tuesday, I'm like, what? You know, so thank God I was maybe five minutes of sitting there with no stall and just looking crazy trying to use the bathroom. So boom, I make bond, you know, so I walk, I, I believe I just gave the, the CO back the tissue. I was like, here, well, I definitely don't need this. I walk down the aisle to my bunk. I had to get all of my stuff off the bunk. And put it in a bag, like a big plastic bag. They gave me a big plastic bag to put all my stuff in to carry it up to the bubble. As After I put everything in the bag and I'm walking up the aisle, this is, this is no lie. There's some guys in the, back of a, in the back of a cube playing cards. Either they was playing cards or a board game, but I, I believe they was playing cards. And I walk by them. And as I'm walking up the aisle towards the bubble, one of the guys that I've never talked to, this wasn't the guy that came and talked to me the night before, didn't know this guy from a can of paint. He yells out, he, he yells out, yo, don't forget who did this for you. Your father did this for you. And I knew that it was God speaking through him. It was God letting me know, listen, don't forget who did this for you. I did this for you. Cause this guy, he didn't know me from a can of paint. He didn't know I was saved. He didn't know my story. He didn't know that, you know, I've been arrested in the midst of going to church. He didn't know any of that. He says, he says, don't you forget who did this for you. Your father did this for you. And I remember leaving, you know, out of the jail and I had to go to court, you know, so many different times. And here's the amazing thing. I told you guys, I had a long record. I had been arrested a lot of times. I had been in a lot of trouble. 
But as I'm going to court, God is showing me favor, right? They're, they're dropping charges off. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, the judge saying something like, I don't know why I'm doing this, you know, to the lawyer that I had, I don't know why I'm doing this, you know, but I knew what it was. It was nothing but the Lord, right? It was nobody but the Lord showing me favor. So really, and the prosecutor was upset because really I should have been doing some type of time for wilding out like that with the long record that I had. I should have been going back to jail and doing some type of bid. But God blessed me, showed me favor, and I was able to get into a program. And here's the thing. I get into the program and, and I had to do the program for quite a while. But in the midst of me being in the program, you know, being able to go back to and because this wasn't like an inpatient program. This was a program that I had to go to every day and had to be there for a certain amount of hours. I believe I even had like an ankle bracelet or something like that. So I'm still able to go to services, the men's fellowship, all of these things that was helping me to build up and become a stronger a Christian, become a stronger man of God. I'm still able to go to these things. So as I'm in these programs, I'm really focused now, right? I, you know, my boy Van, my, he's my man, 50 grand. We still friends to this day, still almost pretty much talk every day. At that time, I had, I had to chill out really hanging out with him or trying to chop it up with him. I had to understand that earlier on, early on in my walk, especially that early, it just was certain places I could not hang and certain places I could not go. Right. So boom, I'm growing stronger. And it's not that I cut these individuals off. It's not that, you know, when I seen them, I didn't have anything to say to them or nothing of that sort. Right. Still stayed in contact, but I had to, but I had to understand that, listen, there's just certain things that we can't do together at this time, right? Because I'm just not there. I'm just not strong enough to handle that. So boom, I'm being, you know, built up, becoming stronger in the word. Once again, at every service, like I was before. And now what's happening is, you know, deliverance is happening. I'm, I'm no longer smoking dust, no longer messing with any weed, none of those types of things, you know, and what happens is, God begins to give me favor in the programs that I'm in because some of the programs that I was in, there were saved people that worked in those programs that went to, you know, other churches. And at the time, I don't know if you guys knew it or not, but years ago, I used to do a little bit of gospel rap. I used to go to be a part of concerts. I made a few CDs, all of that type of stuff. So at the time, this is when I first started writing a little bit of music. And because God showed me favor in these programs, the people would be like, listen, I want you to come over to my church and, you know, share your testimony or share some music or whatever have you. So now I'm in a program and I got favor with the people in the program and eventually got out of the program, you know, kept flowing, you know, in church, kept growing becoming stronger in the Lord, allowing God to really deliver me from the things, you know, that I was going through, like really surrendering it all. But it took time. Right. So you're talking between 2003 up until 2006. You know, this is God working on me. And guess what? In 2006, I started preaching the word of God. You know, I realized that God had called me to preach my pastor. You know, he recognized it. He saw it, you know, um, and it wasn't something and I and I knew it was God because being that I I went, you know, I went to church when I was young with my mom sometime. I mean, 
even my my mother has a picture in her living room that I took when I went to church with her. I think I was 15 years old and that I had a patch on my arm from the gang that I was in. My mother didn't know at the time when she found out, she came over there and got somebody to try to get me out of there and all that. So she wasn't trying to hear it, but she just thought it was just a regular patch that I was wearing on my arm because it was somebody back in our city at the time that made belts uh, the same way and different wristbands. So we were using it for something different other than what it should have been used for. So, you know, there's a picture where, you know, it, it shows what I was into at the time, but yet my mother was bringing me to church. And you know, the funny thing about it, when, when I was doing all those things young and trying to, you know, trying to hide things from my mother and, and, and be wild and, and stuff like that. When I would go to church, I, at first I wouldn't want to go, but for some reason, when I got there, I was so happy that I went, I felt so good after I left out. But here I am 2006. And I said all that to say that that was the only time I really went to church was with my mom sometime and with my aunt. So it wasn't like I was in church to be fascinated with the preacher or the lifestyle of the preacher. Like I wasn't into none of that. Right. Like I, I didn't even focus on that. So when God began to touch me in this way, I knew it was him because it wasn't something that I desired. So by the grace of God, by his call, I started preaching a little bit around 2006. And then in 2008, I ended up being ordained as a minister and, um, you know, begin to preach a little bit more. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, over the years would go out, be a part of different services and conferences. And in 2009, you know, um, in the midst of all that, in 2009, I married my wife, Annalisa. So this year I've been married 13 years. I have two beautiful sons with my wife, Trevor Jr. and Trayvon. Trevor Jr. is 11. Trayvon's getting ready to turn 10 actually next Monday. Um, I have my daughter, uh, Trevasia, I had with her moms, you know, I share with you guys that her mom's, uh, Nina, um, she passed away uh, this year from COVID. So my daughter, Trevasia, she's 22 years old. My granddaughter, Brooklyn is two years old. So here I am. I have my wife, my two sons, my mom, by the grace of God is still alive. My daughter, my granddaughter. So I'm thankful that I'm able to to, to see and, you know, and, and be a part and be around individuals that they told me 25 years ago that I would never be able to see. Right. You know, my daughter was born. I was locked up. I barely saw her. You know, I barely saw my mom because I was running the streets, didn't want to bring anything to her house. You know, my, my, my wife was born living in a whole nother country. My sons was nowhere in existence. These were people that I was being told that I would never be able to see. Like this was a life that I would never get to, but God, nothing but the grace of God. So I got married in 2009 to my wife, had two sons. And then, you know, just doing ministry, doing music, you know, um, out preaching, you know, being a part of outreach, you know, whether that's with my pastor, cause he, he's big on outreach. We used to do a lot of outreach years ago, not so much, um, now like we used to, but a lot of outreach with him, a lot of, uh, outreach with other, uh, churches from different towns in, in, in our state. Um, and it's funny because one of the people, uh, that I used to go out with and do outreach in their, in their city, which was new Haven, they actually, came to the jail my last time that I was locked up, you know, that's where I met them at. They were doing prison ministry. And, and this is how you know that God 
you know, this is when God confirms that that not only is he alive and real, but that he really plans all of this stuff out. This particular ministry would come to the jail. And when I tell you the brothers in the jail will be so happy when they come and so encouraged when they all would come and minister to us. When I got out and joined the church that I'm at now, I never forget the day that we went to fellowship with them. Just so happened my my pastor and 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 Apostle Brunson there did they were close friends already. They were already friends. So when I walked in, just imagine my face when I seen them. Like I know y'all, like you know, it was like seeing family, like yo, y'all touched my life. But what what's the chances that the church I decided to join that I've been at 20, 20 years now, right? That the people that came to jail and encouraged me before I went to that church, we would be fellowshipping with them. And don't you know, you know what's real, you know what the irony is? This Sunday, Apostle Brunson and the church, they'll be coming, Wayfaring Ministry, they'll be coming over to our church to help us celebrate the 43 years that uh, my bishop and, and the church has been, you know, in, in existence as far as the ministry. So, I mean, when you look at things like that, nobody could have did that. But God, but I wanted to share some of that because these were struggles that I dealt with, you know, earlier on as a young Christian. Like I got locked up. I got locked up being in the house of God. I wasn't locked up hanging in the streets or selling drugs and all that. Yes, I ended up hanging with a friend and drinking a little something and got locked up. And I was faithfully in church, faithfully helping out when there was a funeral, carry the casket, whatever it was that was asking me to do. You know, I was there to do it, but I shared all that to let you guys know that, listen, some things don't happen right away. And that's why we got to be careful with the people that we see get saved. And this is not about people that's on TV and stuff like that. This is even in your own neighborhood, even in your own family. You got to be real careful with how you speak about them, because we don't know how they're going to fully get delivered. You know how God is going to truly work in their lives. And some of you guys have shared testimony since I've been talking like this. Some of you guys have shared some struggles that you had, you know, first coming into church and being in the church for a while. And listen, I'm not even here to say that I didn't have any struggles after that, or still there aren't some things that I feel like, Lord, I need to come up in. I need to do better. And you, you, you told me to do this. You told me to do that. These are things that I get, you know, to start. So I'm not saying like I, I reach some place, uh, you know, uh, what did Paul say? I'm, I'm not saying like I've already attained, but by the grace of God, I am definitely living for the Lord. Now I am definitely no longer, uh, you know, tempted by those things that I was tempted with, with at the time, you know, that drew me, you know, into the, cir- the circumstances and the situations that I was in to get into the trouble that I got into. So I'm just here giving God the glory saying, listen, God is able. But one thing that even, you know, me and my boy Carl did, because, you know, if he was up here testifying, he would testify that he dealt with some some things, you know, when we were earlier on in the church. But one thing we did, guys, anytime those church doors was open, we was there, whether it was for prayer, whether it was for men's fellowship, whether it was just for regular services, we were there. And you know what we did not allow the devil to do to us? Because this is what the devil tried to do to you when you're struggling and you're going to church and you're striving to get delivered. He'll tell you, yo, you're being a hypocrite. Why are you going up in there and you know what you just did? Why are you going up in there and you know where you're going afterwards? Nope. We stayed right around the fire. We stayed right around 
around people that was going to encourage us in the Lord that had testimonies that could testify. I've been where you've been at and look what God has done for me. I'm married, you know, to fully save doing the work of the Lord. Like we kept ourselves around those type of individuals. And a lot of times, whether celebrity or not, the reason why we see a bigger struggle sometimes, and even the struggle like I went to early, went through earlier on is because of the people that we place ourselves around, right? Some of these individuals, they're still trying to hang around people that some not even thinking about the Lord, some not even trying to get saved. That's not even where their mind is at right now. And sometimes that is the problem. Like when we get around that fire, you got to stick around that fire only. You can't go wandering off in the woods. You got to stay around the fire and let God truly deliver you. And I'm a living witness that you can get to a place where, yeah, now you can go back to the old neighborhoods. Now you can sit out there and talk with people and encourage them and not be tempted and bothered by none of it. And that's what I wanted to encourage you guys on today, that if you're out there, if you're on the struggling side or if you've been fully delivered, if you're on the struggling side, God is able. But stay around the fire. If you're on the delivered side and you feel like, you know, you're in a place with God that is a good place. Listen, let's not bash the people that are struggling. Let's pray for them. Let's encourage them. Let's encourage them. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, winking at sin. The Bible clearly says, you know, shall you continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. So we're going to continue to speak boldly against sin. We're not going to act like sin isn't happening. If you're my friend and I know you're in a sin, you're doing something that could be detrimental to your soul. I am going to have a conversation with you. I'm not going to tell everybody else, but I'm going to talk with you. Say, listen, man, this is not what God has for you. So we're not smiling. We're not winking. We're not doing any of that, you know, at sin. Sin is what it is. And that was another thing that I, I, you know, even in the streets, when I went to court, when I would get in trouble, I never went in there like, oh, it's because, yo, they put drugs in the neighborhood. They Nobody made me sell drugs. Did some of those things happen? Some of the things we hear about that was done in some of the neighborhoods that people that look like me come from, absolutely they were done. This is documented things, but I could not blame that on my behavior because guess what? There was other people in the neighborhood that made other choices. So listen, when I went to court, listen, I messed up. I got caught. Hey, you know, you know, God show mercy. You know, you know, my mom's had the church praying for me. If you went to my mom's house years ago before she got rid of everything that was in my room, and I never forget, I went there since I've been married. This was before she got rid of everything. I never forget opening up the drawer that I had, my dresser drawer that was in my room, and all the prayers that was in there from her church and everybody that was praying with her for me. I never forget when me and my pastor went over Bishop, me and Bishop went over to her church and he preached one Sunday morning and I shared my testimony through song and everybody was crying. The different people that had prayed for me and was praying with my mom's like, these are things that you cannot make up. Only God can design things this way. That's why when people, they, they say things like, Oh, you know, God doesn't really exist. You know, um, in my community, it's always, you know, it's the white man's religion or, you know, it was stolen from this one and that one. And it's like, listen, you guys don't understand. First of all, none of that's true. That's been debunked. You can go back in history and see that those things aren't true, first of all. But let's not even let's not even deal with that. Let's talk about my experiences with God. 
me losing my mind, walking the streets, parking my car, doing crazy stuff, and God walking with me, keeping his angels camped about me when people was trying to kill me because I was bugging so hard and doing so many things. When I would get out the car and just walk in the middle of the street, walking on the highway, all types of crazy stuff, driving on the sidewalk with other people in the car. I got friends now that talk to me now that did not talk to me for a long time because they would get in the car and I just would do something crazy. Bullet graze on my shoulder right now, been stabbed, all of these different different things. Nobody could have delivered me from that but God. So yes, I believe in the word of God. I stand on the word of God, but it is my experiences with the Lord that is confirmation that God is truly real. A lot of these people that want to talk about the Bible, a lot of them, they go through what they go through here on the earth as a people, whether that's black, whether that's white, you know, they determine if God is real by that, you know, or they'll find some literature of somebody talking real good with some type of earthly knowledge and they'll go with that. It's like, no, we stand on the word because we've had experiences with God. We continue to have experiences with God. We continue to talk with God and walk with God. We hear from God. God is still warning us of this and that. Watch out for this. Don't do that. Like, no, we know the one that created all things. He is real. Without a shadow of a doubt, he is real. This is not no make-believe type of thing. This isn't no 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 spooky thing in our head. No, this is a fact. Like I can tell you story after story of when God showed up in my life before I got saved and after I got saved. A matter of fact, when I gave my life to the Lord, I'm getting excited. When I gave my life to the Lord in 2001 in that jail, when I went to that jail surface, after I had left the mental ward that they sent me to in a place called Garner in Connecticut, you can look this jail up. They sent me there to the mental ward. I was there seven days. So much happened then. Maybe I'll come back on the next podcast or another podcast and talk about everything that happened to me up there in the mental ward. I, I was there from Friday to Friday. I come back to the North Ave that Sunday, 2001. I gave my life to the Lord. Still not fully healed, still bugging a little bit in my mind. The spirit in me, God moving on my behalf, God, you know, drawing me to Jesus. I raised my hand and said, listen, I want to give my life to the Lord. And I've been saved ever since. And you know what happened to me when I got saved? And that in that 13 and a half months that I was in jail, that's when God began to heal my body and my mind from all of the stuff that was in me, that was in that PCP that was messing up my body. But you know what God showed me in the midst of that? He showed me while I was locked up. He showed me every single time he was there in my life and saved me from a situation or saved me from myself, so on and so forth. So I was able to see all of those times where I thought maybe I was lucky or maybe I thought I was tough. And that's why I was able to get out of a situation or back somebody down. God showed me, listen, it was me. I was there when I was in a cubicle and I'm getting ready to hop off guys, but I'm, 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 I'm excited. And I want you guys to understand that we just don't understand sometimes who God is doing what in. And so that we have to be careful, you know, is, is there, is there, uh, things that we could look for me and Christian talked about this. You guys can go back and listen to the podcast. Is there things that we, we look to, to, to make sure this individual that we're following or supporting is, is striving to, to do the things of the Lord, because we could tell, you know, by their speech, some of the things that they're doing, where their focus is, 
And and guess what? We pray for them, right? We we don't just be following behind them blindly. Remember what Paul said? He says, follow me as I follow after Christ. We don't knock them. We don't condemn them. We don't say, oh, you going to hell. You finished. You know, uh, you belong to the devil. We don't do that. Why? Because they're still living. There's still hope. God is powerful. That's why he told the disciples, for you it is impossible, but for me, all things are possible. So don't write anybody off, right? Because we don't have the ability to say who's going to get saved and who's who's not, how they're going to get delivered and how they not. I bet you people that was looking at my life and saw I had got arrested in the church, saw I was struggling with this and that. I bet you there was a couple people say, oh, he's not going to make it. But look at me today by the grace of God, the gift of God, his salvation, the deliverance, his spirit in me. It was nobody but him. And maybe that's what helps me not to 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 jump all over somebody or try to prejudge somebody. Listen, I'm all for keeping in the hundred when somebody is bugging and doing something wrong. Say, listen, we need to pray for this individual. If they're not careful, yes, they can find themselves on the other side and 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 being influenced by the devil without a shadow of a doubt. So that we're not going to play with. But at the end of the day, I don't speak on things that I don't really know. I don't speak on things just by face value, right? That's why the scripture says, let the wheat and the tears grow together, right? They was like, oh, Lord, should we, uh, we, we see wheat, you know, we see tears growing among the wheat. Should we pull them up? And the Lord said, no, 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 no. Wait until the harvest time because the way that you guys judge and see things, you're going to mess around and pull up some of the wheat with the tears because, the way we look at things sometimes, you know, we can't see people's heart. We can't see where their struggles are. We can't see how much they really striving to become one with God. But there's always going to be stuff fighting them. And some people take longer than others. But I'm here to encourage you that God is able. Just look at what he did for me. Look at what he did for so many other brothers that I know that I'm close to, that I'm related to, that we was we was in those streets heavy. And I'm telling you, the, the city that I grew up in, it was one of the worst in the United States. I mean, it's it's somebody unfortunately just got killed there a couple of days ago. But this is no exaggeration. The amount of people that has been killed this year, which one is terrible. At the time I was growing up, it was about three times that around this time of the year. This is no exaggeration. So the grace of God, you know, God has definitely helped the city to become a better place. Unfortunately, we still got people out there, guns, knives, you know, and, and you know, we're praying that, you know, the number is just going to continue to go down and go down and go down to hopefully one year we can get through the whole year with nothing. I mean, we know how it is in the dying world, you know, you know, people are just out of control. And we know how, what the Bible says about the end times, but we're still praying that God will show us grace and mercy. But I pray that my testimony encouraged you guys. Part of my testimony, this was just a little bit of my testimony coming from the perspective of me being a young Christian in the church, me just getting in the church, you know, still trying to understand things, still trying to learn things, still trying to be, you know, focused on the word and in prayer. And look, I struggled. I struggled and those wasn't my only struggles right in the church, but I wanted to share something that to some people, when they see it, they'll be like, man, that was, that was extreme, you know, to go to jail and, you know, then uh, get out and then go back to jail and have to do programs. And like, listen, it was serious business. So when we see other individuals, family members, people that we might've seen doing things on the street, entertainers, 
whoever, when we see, see them say, listen, I claim Jesus Christ is Lord. We want to afford, we want to afford them that same grace that we would do to an older lady that comes into church and say, you know, I'm, I'm giving uh, Jesus my life today. Right. We, we don't want to stereotype. We don't want to assume because guess what? She might go back home and be wilding and doing whatever at her age. Right. We just don't know. And that's why we got to allow God to do his work. But anybody and anybody, we don't care who it is. If they're going against the things of God, talking crazy, listen, that, listen, we're not going to sugarcoat with them. We're going to say, listen, that's not the behavior of somebody that's striving to be with the Lord. You know, so let's pray. Let's get back to where we needed to get to. That's what I had to do. I had to get back around that fire. I had to be consistent with the things that was going to help me grow in the Lord and finally become delivered. But know that I love you guys. Know that I appreciate you guys, but I just wanted to give you guys something to think about. Some of you guys didn't know that about me, that I had been through all that and so, so much more, right? But look at God. If God could do it for me, not not only am I preaching and I lived that old type of lifestyle, but I told you guys I lost my mind, literally. Not, not just a little bit like I was gone. Anybody that knows me personally that you talked to from back then, gone. But God, not only did he heal my mind, but he healed it and gave me an opportunity to preach his word and share the gospel, share my testimony. When there was a time when I would go to my mom's house and she would just hold me back then when I lost my mind, she would just hold me and cry because I was talking so crazy and doing so many crazy things like this is what God has done for me. And he has no respect of person, guys. And if that's you out there, and that's you struggling to get back with the Lord or you're struggling to get into service. I want to pray with you right now, right? Before we before we hop off. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every individual uh, that is listening to the sound of my voice. We know that this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I pray for everyone that's listening now, you know, whether they're struggling, you know, with being delivered from something, whether they're struggling in their life and, and struggling with surrendering all to you, or whether there's somebody that you have delivered and they're maintaining and living for you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we're not saying that they're living, you know, sin free or problem free, but they may have gotten over some of these hurdles that others are struggling with. I pray for all of them right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. I pray that you will have your way in their life. Let your will be done, Father. We are praying for deliverance, true deliverance, true healing, whatever it is that they're struggling with. We're praying for right now, Father, so that you can use them for your glory, Lord, so that you can send them forth to do the work that you intended them to do. We thank you for all of our brothers and sisters that's listening right now. All of you out there right now, be encouraged. The Bible says with two or more, ask anything of the Lord, it shall be done. With two or more, touch and agree, asking anything, it shall be done. With two or more, are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. So guys, he is listening to us right now. Even after you hop off the podcast, I pray that you continue to talk to him, that you pray. I pray that you continue to ask the Lord to help you, to lead you, and guide you. Continue that dialogue with the Lord. He's listening, guys, and he's here to deliver us all. Father, we thank you. We love you. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. And guys, until we hop on the podcast together again, I love you guys. Shalom.